0: Well, welcome back. I am Seth Liebson. The phone number is 602 960 That's 602 960 I'll go through a few things here with you that I want to, but I'm also asking you, uh, feel free to call in no guests this hour except you. I am asking you what your closing pitch would be um, to vote Republican, particularly those on the fence. I was mentioning in the last hour uh, I've been watching a couple cable news and network news shows interviewing people who still haven't made up their mind. And now maybe they did by today, but from the weekend, at least, they were still sitting on the fence, not sure to you know give the Republicans a shot or stay with the Democrats. And typically, I, I, I find I find these uh, these people quite um, these kinds of uh, undecideds uh, quite uh, unremarkable. But what I noticed this time around, as I was saying, was they they really did seem to be a little bit more articulate in years past. And and I'm wondering how is it they're still on the fence? They're obviously thinking, people, why are they still on the fence? Do they not know what's happening in their very lives? Do they not see what's been going on? Do they not hear what the Democrats are saying? Do they not hear uh, what the Republicans are saying? but but i i'm i'm thinking i guess my temporary thesis is or yeah my temporary um thesis is that um that the democratic fear game has really done a good job um this democracy is on the ballot business this if you vote for republicans you're voting for autocracy business is um it's it's sinking in they 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 or at least it's sinking in substantially enough that people are still hesitant uh, to vote Republican. And um and, and I and I, I'm just wondering what your closing pitch would be. i I what would you say to those that are undecided? It looks like Marilyn and Gilbert wants to wants to weigh in on this. Hello hello Marilyn.
1: Hi Seth. Um I thought of this Saturday at my granddaughter's soccer game. The gentleman next to me um about my age in his seventies. Was speaking to his family, and he said, "All my Democrat friends, I've talked to them, and they keep saying they're too afraid to vote for Republicans." Ah, uh, you're seeing
0: what I'm seeing because they're yeah, okay. going to
1: take yeah. away our social security.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've seen and a lot I of that. Haven't, no,
1: I haven't seen a, Demo- a Republican advertisement saying that, but I have seen <laughs> the Democratic advertisements putting the fear into them by saying that Blake Masters is going to take away no. his. Social
0: Security. And that's you're, you're that's thinking it heard. through in an interesting way, Marilyn, because I'm following you on this. Um, I haven't. I You're absolutely right. The Democrats are running a lot of ads on that. And it might be fun to ask one of them if they've ever seen a Republican ad that says as much. You you put it that way, Marilyn. And, and it's a clever way to put it, because as I'm thinking it through with you, you know, if Republicans really believed this and wanted people to vote for them because they believe this, wouldn't they be advertising that? Wouldn't they be saying <laughs> it? I mean, we don't hide what That's we think our party and our movement and our base wants, right? We appeal to them. That's why we are appealing on illegal immigration or on the economy or on the fentanyl crisis or on any number of these things. Cause we think the base is interested in that. And we think perhaps everyone should be interested in those things, but certainly the base, if our base, if our party, if our movement were about taking away senior social security, why Why are we not advertising that we want to do that, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's a clever that's,
0: point. It's a clever point. It's a that's really all clever I have to point.
1: say. That's what I've experienced.
0: Yeah. What about, have you heard this end democracy stuff, or is that too new to stick, you think?
1: I haven't heard it from anyone personally. Yeah. I've only heard it on the ads yeah. and TV.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it might be too new to stick. It also might be hard for people to articulate, you know? Well, if I vote for a Republican, it's the end of democracy. It's so stupid sounding. Only professionals could be saying it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Marilyn. I appreciate it. Oh, you're it. very well, welcome. Yeah, you betcha. You, you have do. a great day. You have a great day. Um, Keith in Atlanta is holding up uh, our our Georgia, our Georgia affiliate. How are you, Keith? I'm doing well, Seth. How are you? I'm doing just hey. fine. Are you going to pull Herschel Walker over the line there?
2: We're going to do it. And I'll tell you one thing. uh, Barack Obama was here. Yeah. And and he, and I'm I'm not joking, it was really pathetic. He was at a high school football stadium, and he can only fill about a quarter section of the visiting side, and there may have been 400 or so people in there. Many of them were underage people who couldn't vote. That's that's how little of a crowd that guy can draw now. That's interesting. Here's what my closing argue,
0: argument would be. Yeah,
2: and I and this is this was laid out on the radio years ago with uh, one of Atlanta's better talk radio hosts. He's retired.
0: Maybe I know him. He's
2: yeah, Neil Board. Oh, I was. Is he
0: still around? I, whatever happened to Neil Board? Did he just retire? He just hung up the. He, uh... he, he
2: he retired, and one thing he said as he was retiring was that his big concern was how this the direction of this country was going, he and was that just his, too
0: frustrated, huh?
2: It's 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 just is the, the way the people have wanted to go with Obamacare and everything. He said people just don't aspire for freedom anymore. And, it, and plus, you know, he he was getting up in age. You know, he's, he's a very nice I like.
0: man. I have met him on several occasions. It's been a long time. It's been maybe ten years, but he happens to be a very nice man
2: really he yeah. sure doesn't come across that way on the radio and I talked it's interesting to Interesting what times.
0: people's radio personality is versus their off air I say that with uh, trepidation. That's interesting. He happens to be a gentleman. You know, I know a lot of writers Keith, I'm not going to take from your time, don't worry. I know a lot of writers who have a really strong pen. I mean, they are ferociously, you know, some might even say, you know, more than strong, maybe acerbic writers, um, particularly in the think tank and scholarly community, who happen to be the nicest. Pe- you know, they just never talk like that. You wouldn't know that. You, you know, some people's public personas yeah. like that is a little different. Um, and it's encouraging to know when it goes in the direction of kindness or niceness. You know, he's on air. He's a he's a, he's a tough guy, but in, in person, he's very friendly and very helpful person. Okay. Yeah.
2: Because I, I was, I called Bill Bennett a few times, and he's a true gentleman yeah, too. Yeah, You, you could, you, he's like you could sit at the table. Yeah, and have some people are who. Him.
0: Yeah, some people who are, are you know, have the gift of being themselves. Let us say, and uh, I, someday, if you want, I'll tell you who, who I've met over the years that are always what you see in public is what you get in private. Bill is certainly one of those. Yeah.
2: Okay. Anyways, Anyways Neil yeah. Bort, Bort said years ago. He laid this out. He goes, there's two documents you need to look at. He said, do you really aspire for freedom? There are two documents you need to read. The Bill of Rights and the Tenets of the Communist Manifesto. And and he went through the Tenets of the Communist Manifesto, and he laid it out. And then he he said, which – he goes, the Democrats like this, the Democrats like this, the Democrats like this. Went through the Bill of Rights, freedom of speech, and and he said – and he went through and how Republicans more defend of freedom of speech. And there was no question. when he got to the second amendment and when he started going through the different of uh, the bill of rights, he just laid the argument out there. And if we taught true civic studies in, in this work, in this country, we could probably wake it up because the problem is, is people really don't aspire to be free because they're ignorant. They believe this title of socialism is, it's like a safety net that hey, I can live my life if I make a mistake or here or there, I, I'll I'll be okay. I can just learn from my lesson. They don't fully understand that when socialism is is employed, you're never going to get your freedom back. You're going to lose it, and 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 that's where we're headed unless we can wake up. And your state really has a big thing to answer for yeah. itself too. Yeah. With with um, I I just can't stand Mark um
0: Mark um, Kelly Mark Kelly
2: yeah I can't stand him. He's, he's he's too tied to china he he's he's got businesses in china he's he there there's some corruption going on there with him too he and he's he's a, another thing that, about him that he's been very bold about i understand his wife uh, the, the the ailments that she has sure, suffered
0: sure. but that
2: was not a conservative person that did that to her and and he's got a vendetta against people with firearms too he he's just like um sarah brady after her husband got uh-huh. shot she took on that uh-huh. and that's what mark mark kelly's like but if you could if you could one day do a, a study on the communist of uh, the tenets of the communist manifesto and the bill of rights and just lay it out to the people which which party adheres to this which do you adhere to and that should be what you're voting on for is freedom yeah. Once it's gone it's gone uh, you've
0: said a lot there and i'll tell you ya- you're welcome to—the to, uh, music means we're going towards a break, so if you want to weigh in further on this or if anyone else does, I, I have to tell you, up until uh, about two years ago, I never really feared for this country. I always believed that we would go back and forth, liberal, conservative, liberal, conservative, but that there was always a, an American, a unique American capacity for self-renewal. Um, That, you know, if we go too far this way or that way, the natural antibodies, the freedom antibodies, the the constitutional antibodies would kick in and we'd course correct. COVID scared the living daylights out of me, not the disease, but the way how many people were willing to become children of the state. We'll come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and today it remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a pushy-commissioned salesperson to tell you why you should buy. You probably already want it. What you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins, so you get what you want at the best value. Enter the Midas Gold Group. They're veteran-owned and proud supporters of this station and this show. They're fighting for your right to financial security and privacy that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of you already trust, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Visit them in person at 625 West Deer Valley Road in Phoenix, or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup dot uh, let, Let's talk about that fear, that fear thing, for a few moments, if we can. Um, I mentioned earlier that um, Biden has been Joe Biden has been very casually throwing around, or very deliberately would be the better way to put it, very deliberately throwing around the Republican a vote for the Republican Party is a vote for authoritarianism. And um, as I said, uh, he said at a rally yesterday, to vote for Republicans is to promote authoritarian leaders who fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law. This authoritarianism thing has been um, his latest talking point. Um, Autocracy is the opposite of democracy, he says. It means the rule of one, one person, one interest, one ideology, one party. That's a direct quote too. what does it mean to you <laughs> when the guy is saying if you vote for Republicans, you're voting for authoritarianism and authoritarianism is a terrible thing. It means the rule of one party. <laughs> it's a it's a it's it's it's, it's like saying um, you, you, I'm a fascist, but you can't vote for fascists. It's It's a very odd loop that doesn't make a lot of sense which is why I was saying he's casually using the word as well. It's casual and it's deliberate at the same time. They're not really thinking through this notion that we're going to identify all Republicans as evil, as authoritarians, as fascists, and then we're going to define authoritarianism as one-party rule, as if the Democratic Party isn't the other alternative. (laughs) It's a very odd thing. But in any event, as long as he's talking about the fear of authoritarianism and autocracy, I thought I might uh, read a little to you of a good line James Bovard had. He said, uh, if we're worried about autocracy, are we talking about like a mandate for 80 million Americans to get COVID vaccines, uh, dictate the Supreme Court struck down as illegal? Are we talking about when Joe Biden contorted federal law to cancel $500 billion in student loans to give Democratic candidates a boost in the election? Are we talking about when Team Biden sends FBI agents to harass parents who complain at school board meetings or things like the Biden administration's proposal to cancel all federal school breakfast and lunch subsidies for any state that does not impose radical pro-transgender policies on every public school? Biden warned in a speech last week, quote, the consequences of lies told for power and profit, lies of conspiracy and malice, lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol and even violence. Is he talking about like the time when he spurred towards people who did not get covid vaccines in September of last year? He portrayed the unvaxed as public, public enemy number one, warning that, quote, your refusal has cost all of us. Remember that your refusal has cost all of us. Biden sneered that vaccine skeptics only wanted, quote, the freedom to kill you, close quote, with their COVID. Do you remember that? The People arguing for freedom against vaccines are arguing for the freedom to kill you. He said that he kept railing about a pandemic of the unvaccinated long after COVID cases snowballed among the fully vaxxed. He continues to falsely claim that the vaccines prevent transmission. Yep, he did that last week. Biden offers a trust-me version of democracy in which the Supreme Leader is entitled to reverence, entitled to be revered. That's why his appointees are shrouding his abuses and failures. The Department of Homeland Security wants social media companies to censor criticisms of Biden's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Biden's Treasury Department and AID, Agency for International Development, are violating federal law by refusing to provide any information on U.S. spending and policies to the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. Biden touted the rule of law last week, but instead of that ideal, he's offering a paying and obeying version of democracy in which citizens have no right to complain about the Fed's wrecking prosperity. Are you outraged about the dollar losing 13% of its value since he took office? You're an enemy of democracy. Are you ticked off that stock markets lost $10 trillion this year, thanks in part to Biden's policies, you're an enemy of democracy. Are you miffed at Biden-era high gas prices? Shut up, or we'll cancel the driving rights of all non-Tesla owners, I guess. Biden has been repeatedly, repeatedly invoking the specter of political violence to demonize his opponents. But what about post-election violence spurred by oppressive policies imposed by winning politicians? Biden said that Americans settle differences at the ballot box. Well, he didn't. He said battle box. He meant ballot box. He promises that if two more Democratic senators are elective, elected, he will ban all assault weapons. How will, how will, how will they do that? How, how will Team Biden confiscate tens of millions of semi-automatic rifles? As long as Biden can claim that election victories consecrate his policies, any quibbles about The Second Amendment will be null and void. Biden sought to paint all Republican candidates as illegitimate because of the rhetoric of a few GOP candidates. Apparently, there is collective guilt for only one political party in the election tomorrow. Collective guilt. That's what autocrats do. They paint everyone they want to marginalize as being a member of the other party and that the other party will be the enemy of the state. Remember how much criticism... Trump received. Heck, Juan Williams in his column in The Hill this morning revives the notion that Trump is creating, has created political violence by calling the press the enemy of the people. Do, do we know? Do we know members of the press that suffered uh, because Donald Trump said that? Do, do we know that or has there been more anti-Republican media than you can ever remember in the entirety of the history of this country? The consistency with which Biden is claiming a prerogative to define the issues and non-issues for the election scorecard are really quite amazing. According to Biden, democracy dies if citizens do not vote as their commander in chief tells them to vote. Biden is correct that democracy is under threat. But the greatest danger is elected politicians in the White House and on Capitol Hill who believe that vote totals entitle them to force Americans to live As they command. That's upside down from how we used to do it around here and how we used to think we did it around here. We used to think that we got government by consent, not consent ordered from the government. That's autocracy, that's authoritarianism. If you are worried about stock market volatility, our friends at Y-Refi are offering up an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market. A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly with a high fixed Interest rate, and by investing with Y Refi, you'll be doing well by doing good. Y Refi is a due diligence proof firm, and you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, ten point two five percent. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R E F Y dot com, or call eight 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 Y Refi thirty four. That's eight 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 Y Refi. 34. Make sure and tell them I sent you. Lisa is in Phoenix. Hello, Lisa.
3: Hello, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. i was just thinking about the humanity of each party and what it means to be a human. And so I don't think being a human is calling other people roaches. I don't think being a human is cutting up a baby inside somebody's womb who is Nine months, almost nine months. I I don't think that humanity is telling people that they're valuable, but letting them kill each other in the major cities. I remember reading an article about um, a little girl that was sitting in her grandma's bedroom doing her homework in Chicago, and she was killed by crossfire gangs. I don't think that's human. I don't think it's human to defund the police who would arrest those people. I don't think it's human to change laws to say, oh, you don't have to pay bail no matter what you did. I don't think it's human to say what's good for you is not good for me. Paul Pelosi's assailant didn't get no bail. He got arrested. But other people, like the guy who ran over and killed that young uh, Trump supporter in Washington, he got no bail. So who is human? I don't think the the Republicans are human. I don't think the Democrats are with what they're pushing. And I think that people in poor areas need to realize that their vote counts against inhumanity.
0: that's that's a a pretty good closing pitch lisa that's a pretty good one you know um it's it's pretty i mean we could build on that list too and i know you have more you know you could build on that list Uh, if if you live in a poor crime-ridden community um there's really there's really only one force of composition that separates you know the law of um the law of the jungle, as they call it in, in political philosophy, from from the law of, of decency and humanity, and that is law enforcement. That is the police. Um, you're right about that. What areas of the country are seeing the kind of violence you talked about? They're not the areas with million-dollar homes. They're not even the areas with half-a-million-dollar homes that's not where the Democrats focus their attention. They don't want you to see it. I want to read you a column in a moment about that. This is why they deny that there is a crime problem. This is why Kathy Hochul has gotten so tripped up in doubling down on her debate with Lee Zeldin, the Republican candidate for governor in New York, saying, I don't understand why crime is such a big issue for you. And then the New York Times comes out and says, Republicans stoking Fear about crime is the problem, not crime. Republicans stoking fear about crime. When you see where these crossfire incidents take place, Lisa, um, it's, it's a borderline question as to whether any community is safe. But it's not a borderline question as to where most of that kind of crossfire bullets entering windows takes place. It's the poor neighborhoods. It's the minority neighborhoods. When we talk about crime, when we talk about decency, when we talk about your word, humanity, that's who we're talking about. That's who we're talking about. It's a moving point. I'll be right back. I want to tell you about bingo reverse mortgage. Inflation is slamming retirees, throwing retirement budgets into chaos. With inflation at a 40-year high, the dollar isn't going as far as it did just months ago. With gas prices sky high, grocery prices increasing over 13% since July, and a recession looming, aging adults are struggling to make ends meet. A reverse mortgage could be the safety net you need to get through these hard times by allowing you to convert the equity in your home into cash. A reverse mortgage could put more money in your pocket for living expenses, help you fight inflation, make your investments last longer, and give you the security in your retirement that you deserve. Call the veteran-owned and veteran-staffed bingo team at 928-277-4476. Yep, that's an Arizona number, 928-277-4476. Or visit mortgage dot com. That's Bingo reverse Mortgage dot com. Mention this radio ad and get a free appraisal reimbursed at closing. A one thousand va- dollar value. Wayne is in Chandler. Hello, Wayne. Hello. Uh
4: I appreciate the caller you just had on before the commercials. I uh, would like to think that she's deeply compassionate about uh the right things.
0: Yeah, you could hear it. And couldn't I would you? only
4: say yeah. that yeah, the, the concern we all have is to not be uh, distracted by distractions and vote on real issues. Yeah. The real issues is the framers of our Constitution chose to divide powers so that not too much power resists or resides in any one set of hands. Right now, all the power resists in democratic hands, and we've got what we've got. If you are happy with what we've got, then vote for the Democrats. If you want to see it changed, you have to vote for a division of power. You have to put some Republicans in office. You won't change the presidency this election, but you can tie up the purse strings and not give them the money to do what they're trying to do. You can force them to compromise and get a better result than what we're getting today. So beware of the distractions. And understand the issues. If you want more drugs coming across the border and you want more of our young people to die, if you want to have unlimited abortion right up to the moment of birth, these are choices you can make. But if you want change, you have to change the power structure as it exists today.
0: Wayne, I think that's uh, just so much so so well put. Such common sense. Really well articulated. The question I would ask you is, why are people um, uncertain about that point? Why, why are there people who are still on the fence? Why do they not see that? I think it's fear. I think it's the fear message of the Democrats. I think it's not that fear message. I'll put it this way. I don't think that fear message is an encouragement to vote for Democrats so much as a break on voting for Republicans.
4: They want to freeze people in the headlights yeah. and therefore not get yeah. change. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. The other thing is is that people don't have time. We're all too busy today to think deeply about things and do all the research that maybe we ought to do. So we vote on superficial issues or on fear or out of fear. Yeah. And we don't have all of the uh, detailed information we ought to have
0: yeah. to see. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate it. I wanted, to, I wanted to bring this up, uh, Ann Coulter's column, on this notion that uh, crime is not on the rise. Uh, Republicans talking about crime is on the rise. She writes, please remember that Democrats will never run out of excuses for criminals. They'll drone on about racism, root causes, poverty, drug addiction, his gun dropped, mental illness, learning disabilities. He made a mistake And prison doesn't work. It's not the government's job to probe criminal psyches. These are predators, monsters, feral beasts attacking civilization with no regard for your property, bodily integrity, or life. The government's only job is to keep them away from us, not to ensure that they have fulfilling lives. At the New York gubernatorial debate last week, feisty Republican challenger Lee Zeldin hit Governor Kathy Hochul, a Democrat, hard on the crime wave engulfing New York. Finally, he said, quote, we're halfway through the debate and she still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes, close quote. In a city where citizens are afraid to leave their homes because of crime, Hochul's blithe response made headlines. She said, quote, I don't know why that's so important to you, close quote. Her unfathomably out of touch reply was so infuriating, viewers might have missed the first part of her answer. Quote, anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change we made to bail, has consequences, close quote, has consequences. Take note, she did not say we'll go to jail or we'll be prosecuted or we'll be removed from the streets for the welfare of society. Has consequences is progressive code for restorative justice. In lieu of actual punishment, the criminal will be required to write a letter to the victim, hug it out, or attend family mediation. Thus, if a pack of teenagers beat the you-know-what out of your kid at school who will be forced to sit down with his attackers so they can say, hey, sorry, man, we thought you dissed us. One of the major drivers of New York's unprecedented increase in crime is the no-bail law, meaning no jail. The same predators are arrested over and over again but can never be put in jail, thanks to the Democrats. Apart from their overriding objective of keeping certain certain members of our citizenry out of jail, as opposed to, say, protecting all of them regardless. The Democrats' argument for never jailing arrestees is that bail discriminates against the poor who can't afford to pay. First, show me the rich person mugging New Yorkers or shoving commuters in front of subway trains. Show me the rich person engaging in smash and grabs. Second, we're lucky when we can even catch one of those monsters. And if caught, the vast majority of guilty criminals will never spend a day in prison. Only about 30% of those arrested for a violent crime go to prison. And those were the statistics before Soros-backed district attorneys started releasing criminals all over the country. Those were the statistics before the racial reckoning in this country. Another fantastic Democrat idea for reducing crime is to deploy quote-unquote violence interrupters that is otherwise difficult to employ ex-cons to get a nice social work job from the city or to fund endless mental health services, the sole purpose of which is to treat more useless government jobs for victim studies majors at Bard College. Look, if some idiot wants to counsel violent criminals, fantastic. They can volunteer. But the counseling needs to take place behind prison walls where their clients belong. Though I think it's kind of important to mention that there is no evidence that mental health counseling has ever worked, the New York Times admitted as much in an uncharacteristic and honestly column where it wrote, quote, dozens of studies have found that rehab programs in prison have failed. There is no reliable way of telling a prisoner who has reformed from the one who has not and will commit more crimes. No matter what they call it, the liberals have been pushing their anything but prison plans forever. I have quotes going all the way back to 1982. According to a recent Rand Corporation study, putting fewer criminals in prison could reduce both the prison population and the crime rate. On and on studies like that. On and on. And the truth is, all of those studies may be great in theory, but the evidence and the facts prove them. Untrue. Again, and again, and again. Democrats can't change and won't. They can only be defeated at the polls. Please do it. More and more people are, um, uh, who have columns, who are writing, who are election analysts. They're tuning into the danger of this Democratic Party rhetoric that to vote for Republicans is a vote to threaten democracy. Um, Gerard Baker over at uh, the Wall Street Journal puts it that America's democracy is guaranteed and protected by a constitution of extraordinary genius, complexity, and durability. To suggest it is one set of midterm elections away from extinction is ludicrous hyperbole. It's a long and tortuous way from a House Republican candidate telling voters he thinks Donald Trump won the election in 2020 to the dismantling of a 230-year-old order and its replacement with autocratic rule. But let me take a step aside for a moment and just say that's that's exactly right. We've said it a few times, probably not enough, but even about those who claim that 2020 election was stolen who are running for office. So what? The Dennis Prager question. So what? What can they do? What will they do? So what? Anyway, back to Gerard Baker. This isn't complacency. We're all familiar with the role eternal vigilance plays in the defense of liberty, but it is central to understanding how dishonest and hypocritical the closing democratic argument is. It is, after all, the Democrats themselves who have become the most insistent evangelists for the idea that the very system that has protected American democracy for two centuries is not fit for its purpose and can't handle the Republican Party in one midterm election. It is the progressive left with the endorsement of all the top figures in the Democratic Party that wants to dismantle many of the most important constitutional institutions and principles that protect American democracy. States' rights, separation of powers, independence of the judiciary, due process, enforcement of the rule of law, never mind sovereignty. This isn't some fringe view or even merely a cynical attempt to remake the system for political advantage. The party is in the grip of an ideology that believes the entire American constitutional construct is illegitimate. That the Constitution itself was founded to preserve a hidden racial tyranny and therefore that all those quaint ideas enumerated in it that have become synonymous with America's Republican democracy, equal rights, freedom of speech, are all merely instruments of repression. Mr. Biden thinks he can issue laws by edict and then pretend they were passed by Congress. He said that about his college bailout plan. Democratic lawmakers tried to enact a bill that would have eliminated states' constitutionally guaranteed right to determine the conduct of, of elections. Large numbers of Democrats want to reduce the Supreme Court to a politically directed arm of the elected branches of government. On and on he goes in his column. When you hear about threats to democracy, either read Gerard Baker's column in the Wall Street Journal today or think about as Wayne called earlier, putting side by side what the Democrats want to do and what the Republicans want to do, what the Republicans have done, what the Democrats have done. And you tell me what's more authoritarian and what's more autocratic. It's a really, really easy answer for those that know what authoritarianism is. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Brandon Weikert.